It's Zach Linkley Chi Chi. I am so popular. Last week was my hallmark Keikizaka 46 episode, one of my proudest accomplishments as a podcaster. And today we're going um, in the same direction with more ridiculous, uh, too intense discussions of Japanese things that few people understand or know about. And we'll be discussing the art and beauty of Japanese water polo player and Instagram influencer Arai Atsushi and the 1971 film by Lucino Visconti, Death in Venice. And I'm joined by a, a third time returning guest. Who are Four. you? Fourth? Fourth, yeah. My first episode was the J-pop one. Then it was like that one that you Oh, did. my finale episode. Yeah. yeah. And then the third time was Korea with Brixton. Yep. And now four. Yeah, well, welcome back. You're a dear friend of the show. I feel like we vibe so much oh, I didn't about... didn't my name. Oh, say it. Ha. Oh, hi, I'm Ronald. You can find me on um, Twitter at Taylor Ronald. And I run the site Nante Japan, N-A-N-T-E Japan. Uh, we talk about Japanese entertainment, which is how me and Zach initially connected. That's right. And uh, you're the host of a really fun podcast that I went on to discuss bad mode with um around this time last year yeah and yeah it was so much fun um despite what that writer from pitchfork said uh and said that i was incoherent but fuck you too oh my god i just find everyone talking about bad mode all of a sudden last year to be very um sus because it's just like where were you all these years yeah it's like you you're not allowed i had to suffer like I had to suffer in obscurity listening to this is the one. Like, you don't get to just jump in on bad mode. You have had to have been there the whole time. I'm gatekeeping it. You are not allowed. Good. We need Gate more kept. gatekeeping. Because <laughs> people talk about um, mediocrity in the world, but, like, mediocrity in the world has become so rampant because people have tried to bring gatekeeping to an end. You can't stop me. I, like... You are allowed to channel in the arch that I present to you only underneath my understanding of the world because I know about these things and it's your job to sit down and listen. You're the one listening to the podcast. You are the listener. I am the speaker. So listen. And if you don't like get all of Utada and you haven't struggled with her, you're not allowed to just listen to bad mode and say it's good. Fuck you. Yeah, if you haven't struggled through Phantom, you can't say anything. I'm not doing that discourse with you right now. Anyway, <laughs> um, I did want to bring you on for this episode because along with our shared love for Japanese pop music, which we went into glistening, excruciating detail on the Patreon, um, you and I also have a very similar aesthetic understanding of beautiful young Japanese men. And even though our types... Uh, may differ from time to time. I feel like we have a similar drive about them. And today's topic is Arai Atsushi. He is a 28-year-old water polo player and a specter over gay men worldwide. Um, And I remember we both started talking about him, like, over DMs when I started manically posting about him. Yeah. What's your experience with this man? How did you come to know him? Well, I'm surprised you like him because his teeth are, like, very perfect looking. And normally you like ones that have, like, the yeba. Well, in general, the thing is, is that he's honestly a little 
too, like, clean and pristine for my kind of man. But he is so effervescently beautiful that he is able to trespass into my sexual interests. So, basically, I believe it was... 20 it was leading up to the olympics what olympics the tokyo olympics i was about right? to say because if it was like if it was the 2016 olympics i was like i don't think i've been talking to you for that long and if it is that's very scary because that's a long time so it must mm-hmm. have been 2020 um i'm pretty sure it was 2020 so like 2019 or 2020 around that time definitely 2019 2020 you started posting him and i was just like oh god who is this and so I started following and I was like, oh, this is nice. But the thing <laughs> is, is that and this is something we discussed. He wasn't aware of his beauty, but then he became aware of it. And that's when things started to turn. Yes, exactly. Because he is a fascinating narrative in complete statement. You can go through his Instagram from, like, 2018 to the present, or even deeper if you want to see the whole story, and it is a glimmering emblem of the curse of beauty. Um, It really is an entire Mishma novel lodged in an Instagram page, and I have such intense feelings about this that, honestly, it's a little bizarre. Like, I am, you know free to admit I'm a total pervert and this kind of fixation is weird, but I just feel like there is too much, like, thematic weight invested in this man for me not to make a comment. It's just, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, like, there's, like, the one, like, the one, I feel like the thing that really brought this episode to a head and that really made you want to make this was... I was on his page one day and I clicked on his photo to go like his photo, like I always do. And I had seen, <laughs> I had seen that the pretty much the creator of like the image of male beauty for like the past half century was liking his photos now. Yes, because Bruce Weber is now following and liking the posts of Arai Atsushi. And I covered Bruce Weber back um, last year in conversation with Everybody Wants Some, and he has been such an excellent curator of natural, freewheeling, breezy, unforced masculinity that the fact that it has now expanded all the way into the Orient with this appearance of Arai in his own sexual fantasies that I know he's feeling some kind of way for, um, that definitely was, like, the turning point when I realized that this bizarre narrative I have made in my head is actually 100% real and true. So the funny thing is I was, like, thinking, because, like, he makes, like, little reels of, like, his photos over time, and there's the one where he lost one of his front teeth. And it very much reminds me of the cover of the Bruce Weber book, The Chop Suey Club. Mm-hmm. Where, like, um, Peter Johnson is, like, he has, like, his finger in front of his front tooth to, like, mimic losing the tooth. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting parallel. So I guess to begin with the whole story... It kind of just begins with who this man is. He is an Olympic water polo player, obviously Japanese, 
Um, there's a few details about him that make him as effervescent as he appears in his old-school Instagram posts. Um, the one thing is that he is five foot six. He is 168 centimeters. He is not tall at all, but he has this pristine, boyish face with a uh, unending, unconscious grin and the body of a water polo player, uh, which is... He's very thin, but he has, like, a very pronounced chest, um, these abdominal muscles that are uh, constantly pressing through his skin, and this haircut that implies eternal youth. What do you find attractive or fascinating about his appearance? Um, I like how, like, the top of his butt comes out of his, like, some little like speed out of his little water polo shorts yeah and it like the thing is that was that like okay so i feel like there was a point where he was just going and just like taking photos of himself like training and then he got into reels Mm -hmm. and then when he got into reels it felt kind of like he was starting a parasocial relationship with the viewers because it became kind of as if like you were kind of like his girlfriend that like was meeting him like when he was finishing practice so he would like get out of the pool and start like talking to you but like not really and he was playing that fucking megan trainer um title song always oh my god yeah yeah because it used to be i think right around the time that we both kind of took an interest in him merely for being hot it used to be obviously like nice photos like taken of him like sometimes posed but there was no sort of awareness of what he was doing he would post things that like any kind of normal like ek men like young handsome man would probably end up posting on their uh, personal instagram but as time went on the photo shoots became more professional more suggestive and Eventually, he developed an awareness that he was being looked at. And as soon as he developed that awareness, his face cracked. (laughs) We have to build up all the way there because I really feel like you made a good point with the reels thing. Because it's all of these videos of him, like you said, getting out of the pool, greeting you. um, But it's also stuff like oh, like, here's what we would do when we go on a date together. And it's all of these videos of him, like, looking bashfully upwards as he drinks a chai latte, uh, wearing a little t-shirt, and then smiling as Megan Trainer title plays in the background. Or, like, going to a bonfire on the beach where he's, like, wearing a hoodie for his brand. And, like... Ruffwell. <laughs> Ruffwell. Um... <laughs> where he's doing that and then like i remember like there was one where he was like literally like on a beach at night playing the guitar so in front of the bonfire and it's just like oh this is like you're like you're a water polo player but like in the traditional japanese entertainment sense you've officially made yourself into an idol Yes, he's exactly like an idol this is like handshake event idol you can meet and I suppose what's so, like, enriching when you're thinking about him in a broader cultural sense is that he has crystallized 
what it means to be an influencer. Because to me, Instagram is this, like, cyber network that algorithmically eats up your sexual interests the second you start expressing it and then starts generating an endless feedback loop of erotic images. I'm not sure if your Instagram explore page is a bunch of Asian bodybuilders, but that's what mine is. Mine, mine, okay, so the thing is, though, is that my explore page is um, Korean bodybuilders, um, Johnny's from Snowman and King and Prince, um, vacation destinations, and, like, Chanel bags. Mine is literally drag race and Asian bodybuilders, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else there. Like, I'm looking at it right now, I see... Um, a few drag race memes, and then a lot of guys in tank tops after a gym session. Oh, they don't have tank tops on mine. Some of them have tank tops. Most do not. <laughs> By the but way... But this is what I'm talking about. It's like an ambient like sexuality that the algorithm preys on you for and then creates this strange, static ambiance from which you can constantly slip in and out of that is spiraling into this strange tangelized sexuality do you know what i mean but the thing is though too is that like it's one of those things where you're not aware of how often you are consuming these images until you look at your explore page and you realize oh this is mainly what i'm consuming so they're just showing what me what i mainly consume what i'm mainly liking so it's just like oh am i like constantly like turned on yeah that's exactly it when you're just being assailed with images that are suggested to you by the haunted ghost in the shell of the algorithm it's like you're kind of putting yourself into this state of constant arousal but also this like humiliating voyeurist place in which you have no access or sexual capital with any of these images. And so you're being endlessly dominated and sodomized by the Instagram algorithm and all of these men. Oh, wow. Don't you think? I do. I do. It's kind of just like, hmm. It's it's a lot to, like, think about. But, like... And now the fact that, like, my Netflix is doing it, too, because it's just, like, I watch a lot of Korean dramas on Netflix. So the thing is, though, is that, like, for some reason, my TV just started suggesting that I watch Physical 100, which is basically my Explore page turned into a reality show where my Explore page rolls around with other people on my Explore page in the mud. Yeah, like, (laughs) there's some horrifying and sinister element at play where the sexual realm is being made tangible into this pro like this product that is like basically getting you to get like a little turned on by who you look at so that you linger on their page and consume more advertising material mm-hmm. and it's so bleak because what we should be doing is like having these sexual feelings like made real with people in day-to-day life but like zoomers and internet addicted young people are so like chained to the instagram sex wheel that they can't even 
imagine an in-person interaction and their entire libidinal realm is confined to the scroll. Well, I will say, okay, I will say that um, if this was the same thing, but for like the West, um, you actually could go and make your explore page into a physical interaction. Just say. Oh, I know so. Well, actually, I guess you're right, because I guess there's that whole thing in the West of, like, sliding into the DMs. Yeah. Because the thing is, though, is that, like, one thing that's... Well, the thing is, though, is that, like, okay, let's be honest. Like, a lot of the instigates, like, a lot of the ones you see, like, on Instagram, like, in the West, they're also sex workers. So it's kind of, like... The reason why they have the Instagram page is so you can go to the Twitter page. And then so you go to the Twitter page and that advertises their OnlyFans. And then their OnlyFans, you go on their OnlyFans and then they start offering sometimes they offer like... Oh, one sec. I have a package coming in. Hi. Hi. Okay, this. Ronald, hold that thought. I'll be right back. It'll be like just one second. Okay, sorry about that. My mom's Christmas package for me finally got into the mail. Just got into oh, the mail. Gee. It's huge. I'm, I'm looking forward to opening that later. Um, anyway, you were saying um, that in the West, like so, because it's like constantly linking elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the thing is, though, is that you were talking about how there isn't this connection, and so part of me wonders how long will it take until the connection that exists in the West ends up in Asia because like the typical situation in the West is you are on Instagram and then it's just like, you're posting like, you know, your sexy photos on Instagram. Like you may get like a butt cheek here and there. And then there's always like a link to like a Twitter or maybe straight to an OnlyFans. But the Twitter, the Instagram exists to advertise the OnlyFans or the Twitter. Mm-hmm. You go to the Twitter, the Twitter advertises the OnlyFans, which you get more explicit content. 
And then oftentimes, too, the guys on Twitter will be just like, hey, I'm going to be in I'm going to be in Miami like December 15th through the 22nd. Like, hit me up. We know what hit me up means. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they can turn that like parasocial relationship into like an actual like physical experience with the person they see on social media. Right. And, and I would be more here for that, but it's like, I feel like only gay men do that because like these straight guys are like, they're trying to channel the sexual energy being poured into them from their curated Instagrams, mm -hmm. not into low key prostitution, but into like apparel brands. <laughs> Which is very funny considering the Patreon conversation. Was that part of the Patreon conversation? That was part of the Patreon conversation. And if you're not listening, you're missing out on a lot of crucial context. So you better pay up, bitch. Uh, it's like $5, right? <laughs> it's five bucks. Five yeah. bucks for endless episodes. But no, it's like, yeah, like, straight men are not, like, I can't imagine they're, like, using it... I. I, straight men just don't make sexual advances really that much anymore anyway. So it's like they're just kind of crystallizing themselves into these bizarre marble statues pointing in the direction of a branded hoodie. Oh, my God. It reminds me of that article that came out talking about how, like, everyone is hot, but no one is having sex. Mm -hmm. What was that article? Was that my reading? The t am I saying the title wrong or was it something similar to that? I think that was like in The New York Times like a few weeks ago, right? I think so, or like the Atlantic or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But regardless, I mean, people have been saying this for a, a long time, and it, it's very true. It's like, Atsushi is extremely beautiful. Even if he's not your cup of tea, you understand, like, looking at him, that he is a fascinating object. But, like, what is the point of beauty if it is not grappled with and handled through the mechanisms of sex? Can you imagine him having sex? No. Can you? No. No. Like, I don't. And I don't. There's. I can't. Ahead, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of it now. And like, I'm, I'm not like, I can't imagine him actually like penetrating something or, or like, oh my God, speaking of which, like side note, it just reminded me of that. I don't know if you've seen it in your timeline, this, um, but like that Mo Safardi guy. I don't, I'm not familiar. The one that crushes pumpkins with his thighs. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah, well, like, his sex tape came out, and people were just like, oh, my God, he's so hot. But then we actually saw him have sex, and it's kind of just like, I wish I hadn't. Because, like, yeah. he's just not good at it. And I'm just, like, thinking, is this the same situation? Well, it's like, I don't know, because he makes this content, I mean, aside from him, like, showing, like, the very, like, end of his, like, butt cheeks, basically, which is, of course, very deliberate, and that balance between... Um, hiding and revealing is exactly what makes him so compelling in so many of these photos. But <clears throat> you sent me one of those reels where he was doing like thrusting push-ups to a TikTok oh. song. And it's like, he's clearly suggesting coitus, but when you look at it, it's so sexless and removed that it obfuscates your sexual feelings towards him and buries it in some opaque layer that you can't access. I remember that video. It's like kind of as if like he has the camera like laying on the ground and he's doing like push-ups. And then so it's like it literally kinda... POV, you're about to get fucked. Yeah, it's like he's fucking you missionary and like and like the um and like the real and it's kind of just like, oh, okay. 
like it's not that it's awkward but it's kind of just like it's kind of like it's one of those things where it went from being like aesthetics to it being like the parasocial sexual relationship which reminds me um who is his audience it's gay guys yeah do you want to know i feel like we have to go to the point of like those youtube videos now he did with those two yes because we have to start talking about the fact like like you mentioned earlier eventually he became conscious of what's happening to his image on instagram he managed to decipher from the endless stream of English comments from white old guys, you know, calling him sexy and beautiful and all these things. He was cursed with the awareness of his own beauty. And I'm sure he thought he looked good before, but he did not realize that he was a pristine super image. And like you said, the way he started to traffic in that knowledge was by completely changing his, like, uh, what he how he presented to the public his virtual day era exactly and then he started going on gay youtube channels (laughs) i have like one of one of my like things i was using for a moment one of my reaction photos was like the one guy doing like kind of like the shocked like hands on like over his clavicle like oh my god kind of thing and him like looking at him and mimicking it like learning gay gestures and i'm just like okay this is interesting he's like gay for pay now he he's like virtually gay for pay without getting anything shoved up him and it's Second Street, which is a, one of the most popular uh, gay channels in Japanese YouTube. Uh, my boyfriend really likes them. Uh, a drag queen colleague, Maxime, was interviewed by them recently. So, like, they're around and about. And the fact that he went onto their show and basically fielded questions about his sexuality for 20 minutes, just completely blank-faced as he did it, like, smilingly participating, so fucking sinister. Don't you think? Oh, God. I'm just like, like, how? okay, what made him say yes to that, I wonder? Well, it's because he's realized that, you know, he gets all of this attention and clout, which he is hoping to turn into capital some way or another by appealing and flirting with these faggots. God. God. Did you see the Twister video they made? No. <gasps> no, girl. It, if you thought that him just, like, getting interviewed by some gay guys because he's hot isn't that bad, let me tell you what they did to him. Because they literally made them play naked twister. Like, they were wearing, like, their... He was wearing his little water polo tighties, and then the other gay guys got undressed, and then they menacingly played twister, writhing over each other, interlocking limbs, and, like, rubbing their muscles together on fucking YouTube, girl. Oh, I need to go look at this. Like, we need to pause for a moment, and I need to get a... I need to look at this and get a reaction. Oh, I need to go look at... Oh, I need to go look at this. Like, we need to pause. Menacing pause for a moment, and I need to get a reaction. Oh, I need to go look at this. Like, we need to pause for a moment, and I need to get a reaction. We need to pause for a moment, and I need to get a It reminds me of, like, one of the... If you go on the Patreon, you can hear us talk about at Sushi Daigo, and reminds me of one of his last scenes involved what 
Twister. Did it really? I don't think I ever saw that one. Oh, yeah. He's wearing a Versace jock strap. And, like, um, there's a lot of, like, um, ass shots in it. And, like, a spreading of the ass. Because he's playing Twister in a jock strap. Of course. And then he gets What else do you expect? But, yeah, this is all to say it's, like, he basically decided to start presenting intentionally as a way that would sexualize himself more deeply in an inaccessible way towards gay guys. And the stuff that he did on these gay men's YouTube channel is already pretty abject, but I think the most, like, visceral of it all is the fucking lookbook. <gasps> the lookbook. Oh, God. Tell me about the lookbook, Ronald. So the lookbook... I remember, like, one day just, like, being on YouTube on my way to work on the train, and it was, like, one of those things where it's just, like, oh, my God, I feel like I shouldn't even be looking at this in public because, like, basically he's just, like, modeling different... It, it starts off with just, like, oh, we're, like, going to go have coffee, and I'm wearing, like, a hoodie and a pair of jeans. And then next thing you know, he's, like, modeling different Speedos. And it's just, like... Okay, do we really need... Okay, the thing with the lookbooks is that normally when someone does a lookbook, you see them walk out fully dressed. Right. With him, it's like, oh, I'm going to take everything off between looks and you're going to see that. Because the entire point is not what he's wearing. It's what he's not wearing. Yeah. So it's kind of just like the situations where he's supposed to be clothed completely in between he's not clothed because he's like taking he's taking out the hoodie and like the shorts and then he's like changing into like a t-shirt and jeans but like normally you wouldn't see the in between the outfits but with him you do see the in between and it's kind of like even though he's trying to be like legitimate and show like his fashion side and like his like rough well label um he still knows what the people want to see Exactly. And this is also why I do not feel creepy or morally wrong about doing this episode, because I was thinking about it a little bit. I'm like, it is kind of um, strange to analyze, like, the public persona of someone in, like, a sexual context. But the thing is, is that he put everything on the table himself willingly for exactly this purpose. And if he doesn't want people to engage with it, he doesn't have to fucking post it. Wait. This is kind of like us being the English language version of Second Street, but he's not here. Yeah, sorry. If, you know, we can get an interpreter, I'd be happy to grow him on his mon monstrous atrocities. Um, have you reached out and maybe tried to, like, um... No, uh, I don't want to meet him or talk to him. I want to delete him. Like, I don't want to make his presence real in any way. Because, like if we would, were able to, like, ever see him have sex, it would completely ruin the illusion, and I don't want to see him in person because I want to keep him, like, designated as a cyber demon and not let him torture me in person. Think of all the times she said that you, like, fantasize about killing him. Oh my god, shut up. <laughs> Listen, I feel like the only thing that can be managed with, like, beauty like this is, like, you have to extinguish it at its most, you know, apex point. Because if you let beauty linger too long, you know what happens. It begins to rot and wilt. Is this part where you talk about his face? This is where we can talk about his face. Because we both 
started to notice in about maybe late 2020, it was like after the Olympics, that something wasn't right. And these like free-spirited kind of like innocent pictures that had become increasingly more curated, he they were beginning to decay and show something wrong. Like, it was kind of as if, like, his face was melting. There's one photo in particular of him after a workout smiling. And, of course, his body looks good. But his face looks puffy and bloated and like it is slipping off of the skull. And sunburnt. And it's just like... Exactly. Like, I don't want to say Quasimodo, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want you to say it either. Sometimes it gives Quasimodo. I don't know. It's just, and it's like, he's getting older. You know, he's 28 now. And, oh, um, wow. We, I mean, he's but when you, obviously I don't really like think that beauty ends at like 28 or something. But when you have deliberately styled yourself, yourself like so severely as the infinite endless, like, 22 year old boy when you start getting like lines on your face and it starts like slipping slowly off of your bones and like descending towards the earth i mean twink death twink death or something like that it feels like death like it really feels like deathly and uncomfortable to see i i just like and the thing is though is that like it wasn't constant but it was kind of like it was very was very interesting that the moment that he realized his own beauty that it started to fade yes it's like his own consciousness of his beauty is what ended up corrupting his face and making his beautiful flower turn evil and black and this was also around the time he first like really started pushing rough well what does that name mean means rough well <laughs> like, 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 what does that mean? Does, do those words have a different meaning in Japanese? Like, certainly not. It's just words put together that that people know the word rough and they know the word well. Put them together, and that's a brand. And you're right. Like the second that he started really commercializing it, the second he started actively appealing towards gays, there are these photos of him like in bed, like covered up in his sheets, and he just looks like he's dying. The literal twink death. Yeah, and it's it's like, I feel like looking at his Instagram as a single narrative artistic like piece, it's like it really shows like the portrait like in Oscar Wilde, like the fucking Dorian Gray image that begins to decay, the more evil and perverse and trafficking in these voyeuristic impulses that he has descended all the way into. Let me go look at his Instagram now. Well, he posts photos from, like, four years ago, from, like, photo shoots that I remember him doing in the past. And, like, there's still stuff where he looks, like, completely, like, fine and everything. And, you know, but you can see the cracking illusion in so many different places. And that distance between the image he was once able to present and when he misses it a little bit now is uh, monumental and cavernous. Oh, speaking of monumental and cavernous, 
I find it funny when he um, he's still in Greece right now. And I find it funny that he has like he has photos where he's like in the center, surrounded by all these like much taller and bigger Greek water water polo players. And it's like him. He's like small and petite in the center. And I'm just like, hmm, this looks like an interesting setup. Fucking every image he posts is just like fashioning him into like a greek like boy like a like a fucking history of sexuality like Foucauldian subject like he there's no way he doesn't know what it looks like when he's like surrounded by all of these like seven foot tall men and he's like in the center just like ah i'm like it literally looks like you're about to get like gang banged it literally does and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the one who has to make this statement about it, but he has been running havoc and ruining lives, um, sucking gay men into his vortex, and I'm gonna call it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to attention. Is that so I will, wrong? I will say though that like scrolling through um his one teammate, um his one teammate, what is his name? Kentaraki. Mm, he's like about a good like this guy's like almost six feet tall i prefer this now actually looking at it well i prefer many other people to him but i just have been entranced by the vortex and it's like when as we were talking about earlier when you are constantly receiving like sexual input that can't be acted upon it creates bizarre warped and distorted social relations with these people who i will never ever interact with maybe maybe not I really want to keep it that way. I do not want to bring him out of the podcast, like, cyber hell world and into, like, reality. I need to leave him in in the digits. And the thing is, though, is I look at his photos sometimes, and, like, the nonsensicalness strikes me. Oh, like, absolutely. There, like, there's this one right now of him, like, brushing his teeth, and he's wearing a pair of, like, pleated jeans, first of all, with, like, and they're... They have a belt. He has a belt, and it's like the belt is buckled, and he has, like, no shirt on. But I'm just like, who wears a pair of pants that are, like, buttoned and buckled and belted or whatever with no shirt? Like, shouldn't the pants be, like, undone a little? Shouldn't the belt, like, not be buckled, like, to make it more, like, lifelike? It's just that this fantasy that he's constructed around himself is constantly cracking. Like, it's not perfect enough and because he has reached levels of perfection in the past like seeing those cracks and spaces of distance is like it's like audrey in the white room in twin peaks like and sees in the return when she's like where am i and like looking in the mirror and she's suddenly old and unloved oh my god you know what this also reminds me of do tell him Will you still love me when I'm no longer young and beautiful? I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, Yeah.
で Death in Venice is a 1971 film by Lucino Visconti. Uh, it's adapted from a novel by Thomas Mann. It's one of the greatest films ever made, in my personal opinion. And it is a infinitely long, very um, arduous and slow-paced examination of a German composer, uh, Gustav von Aschenbach, who travels to Venice for a respite, uh, having been concerned with uh, serious health issues. And while he luxuriates in Venice, he is slowly exposed to a world that is cracking apart with sickness as he pursues a silent and unreciprocated, deep-set affection for a beautiful Polish boy named Tadzio. In the end of the film, uh, he's not able to master his desires and expires in a uh, disgusting, made-up state on the beach, uh, observing him in the distance. But to me, this film is kind of the answer um, for like the Instagram beauty chain vortex I've been describing so far. But um, Ronald, what was your first impression of this film? Okay, first of all, I have to say is that um, there is two. There are two versions of this film, and the first one that I watched was like an opera version, not the one we're discussing. So I was like quite confused, and I was just like, "Where's this little twink with the long hair show up at?" Um, but then he didn't show up, and that's when I realized I was like watching the wrong movie. But in the wrong movie, I will say there is like a bathhouse scene mm -hmm. where like there's like a bunch of like older men in towels like watching the twink as i understand the opera is probably derived um like from the novel originally so the novel is in some ways um both more and less ambiguously homosexual and more clear about the um erotic drives behind it whereas it's kind of like left uh, to the interpretation of the viewer in the film yes so and i don't yeah go ahead oh, go ahead you go ahead no no you go you go but speaking of the actual like film like the real one we're discussing i actually quite liked it um so at first i was just like when i watched the first one the opera one i was like oh my god this sucks but then i was like wait a minute i watched the wrong one 
And watching the second one, I actually liked it a lot. And mm, I don't want to say this, but like watching it, I felt a certain, I felt reflected in certain points of the movie, in the beginning part, I will say. Say more. How so? Um, well, the thing is, though, is that um, when I go traveling with people, I they always say just like, you are very, when you travel, you're quite American. Like, you very much expect things to be, like, perfect and on time and just, like, efficient. But I don't think that's an American trait. I think that's kind of just, like, a developed world trait but like for example like him fussing with the gondolier Mm -hmm. i yeah that feels like something i would do yeah i mean it's a very unfavorable and kind of bitingly realistic portrayal of um aschenbach because he is constantly getting worked up into a tizzy about travel arrangements he snaps at people he's like so flustered and um like queasy in his love for Taggio that he ends up like sweating all the time and snapping at people and being generally unpleasant and this is um a a mindset that I get in when I'm irritated by the workings of the world I feel myself uh becoming Aschenbach too I feel like he's just like like I I feel like there's like a word for this or like a phrase for this, like I'm forgetting, but he's just like a very flustered queen the entire movie. Yeah, he's a flustered, you know, little art hunty who like writes his little books of music and uh, then when he's supposed to be relaxing is like um, some sort of like white lotus monstrosity who's just infinitely unhappy and overwhelmed and like you said, very, very flustered. Actually, thinking about what you just said, like, it is like, it is like the gay white lotus. Like, he really is like the hotel manager in season one. Like, I feel like all he really wants to do is just, like, eat Tizio's ass. And, like, but he can't because, like, he's, like, 12. Yeah, he's, like, 16. And also, Aschenbach is ludicrously repulsive. I mean, he, you kind of do, like, resonate with his heart and his longing is kind of infinitely human like anyone can kind of um like feel empathy for a a deep set desire that cannot be actualized however he looks repulsive and disgusting increasingly so in every shot of the movie and i will say that like a dirk bogard's performance as, as him is so bold to allow oneself to be so repulsively depicted I wouldn't say in the beginning he was repulsive. Oh no, I was disgusted from the first the first shot. <laughs> He's so gross to me. I would say like once he hits like Giuliani levels, then it's repulsive. Yeah. I mean, this movie gives you so much time to kind of pour into his worldview because the shots go on for minutes at a time. They pan back and forth and you are really enchained in his point of view. And it is overwhelming to experience. Like, didn't this just like make you feel queasy and nauseous? I felt very uncomfortable. Like how long am I saying this name, Mike Tizio? It's like, okay, 
Brixton was just trying to make me say it correctly. It's like, Tadjo. It's like Tadjo if you're like saying it with a Polish accent. But the thing is, is that Aschenbach calls him Tadzio too. So I don't want (laughs) to, I don't feel like saying it in a Polish accent. Tadjo. Yeah, but it's like Tadjo. It just sounds almost like it's Japanese. Tadjo. Tadjo-san. Tadjo-kun. Exactly. It does. So, Tajo, it just seems like, like, the thing is, though, is that the shots where he's, like, looking at Tajo, it just seems like they linger a bit too long. And because he looks so young, it makes it seem as if, like, you're staring at a child. And it's just like, mm. Well, this movie is very famous, um, especially recently, because... uh Bjorn Andresen, yeah. I think is his name. He has kind of done a whole Me Too on this movie and has um, decried. Sexualized. Yeah, he de- he decried Visconti and said, oh, the, the horrible staff of this film were taking me to gay bars and I got turned into an idol and they and they exported me to Japan and tried to... And, you know, I find it to be a bunch of hooey. Like, I... I don't really think anyone who is cursed with being lavished by people's eyes um, to surrender to being like a prissy little bitch about it instead of just owning your power and using it as a Nietzschean way forward with your own life. I have no really respect for that, to be honest. I feel like if he had like kind of like blossomed a la Timothy Chalamet after Call Me By Your Name, he wouldn't be saying this. Yeah, but he just got cursed to like kind of obscurity, you know. So, I think that the use of him in Midsummer, the the actor is one of the old couple who like jumps off the rock uh, in the suicide uh, death is very fitting and kind of narrativizes uh, the passage of his youth. But he was never able to artistically instrument that himself. It's just like, well, why wasn't he? Do you know why? I think because he didn't really have a lot of talent, to be honest. Because, like, even, like, in the movie, it's just, like, he doesn't really do much. He kind of just, like, eats soup and, like, walks on the beach and, like, looks over his shoulder. Like, he's not really... No, you got it exactly right. He doesn't do anything. He barely says a word. And the only reason that he's compelling or comes across as uh, beautiful at all is because uh, Visconti and his uh, cinematographer, uh, Pasqualino De Santi, um, basically, they know how to pose him. And they basically have him doing these, like, Grecian statue-esque appearances where he will position his body and stand in a way looking over his shoulder that implies an ancient beauty from like the entire well of art history and it's certainly not this little boy who came up with it himself it's visconti who is able to stylize him in the correct way he's his doll exactly and i really need people to get with the fact that we have to start dolling people it's over like no more like you know we have to let people, like, use and abuse and idolize and turn people into living dolls for, like, good art. Like, Keikizaka 46 and this film are completely impossible if not for the abject objectification of its subjects. And it's worth it. It's worthwhile. But what about the people inside? 
like the human being. Yes. So here's what I'm saying. Like, if you are turned into an object and you are graced with um, the adoring eyes and a consciousness of your own beauty and made lightly famous for that, then you got to man up and use that beauty for your own good. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic is probably one of the most beautiful and, like, marbleized memorial images in cinematic history. And Mm -hmm. we don't see him whining and crying about it. He went and made one of the most successful film careers in American history. Yeah. So, I sorry, go ahead. He just cries because he's a flop. Yeah, he's just mad because he's a flop. <laughs> Get over it. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio did what you did. I mean, like, like who, who else? Like, I guess like River Phoenix, like back in the day, like Timothy Chalamet. Currently, it's there just are lots like, of people who have been able to actualize themselves despite having been objectified in the past and would not be famous had they not submitted to the objectification in the first place. Yeah. I just... And... He's just crying because he's a flop. He's crying because he's a flop. And he also doesn't realize... I think there is a really genius um, undercurrent here because obviously um, the stress of not being able to actualize his love for Tajo, whatever we want to call him, uh, that's the kind of the driving force and seeing like the rot, decadence, and decay of this uh, caloric epidemic that spikes through Venice and ends up uh, taking uh, taking Aschenbach's life at the end of the movie. Like, that's the, the clear overcurrent. But if you pay more attention, you'll notice that this entire movie is covered in flowers. And it leads to this suggestion that Tajo's beauty is about to start wilting at any moment. And you are called to the passage of time and an attention to death, and you realize that all of these um, artistic sexual drives towards beauty are doomed to wilt, as Tajo will inevitably himself. So part of me thinks that I mean, like, there's this, there's this whole thing. There's like, it's a cliche that just like older men like twinks, and that mm-hmm. twinks often like older men. So it's kind of like, like thinking of that because like it is implied that like Tajo kind of like knows the deal and is kind of like low key. He's courting down. him a little bit. Yeah, he's kind of like low key down for it because it's kind of just like when you're a twink you kind of are interested in like the daddy so to speak because it's kind of just like oh the idea of just being like lavish but also the idea of also like being a grown-up but then with like the daddy so to speak it's like they like the twink because it's kind of like the youthful beauty that they no longer have so it's kind of like a an inward like incest towards oneself as well Yes. It's like a it's like a through line in which like the younger beloved figure is actualizing themselves in the future as the man they could see themselves becoming while they're going in the other direction from like the the onlooker and the lover mm-hmm. who is looking to reach into his past through mastering this uh, young beauty. It's like through the looking glass. Yeah, it's like this weird stretch of time. And I think that the movie is right that like engaging in Eros in that way like is like a way of 
time travel almost. And it's like the only way to escape the wilting flowers and like the slowly decaying like city around you is like actually through like contact via sex. I can see that. And I think that's very true. And it's like kind of what we're talking about with like Atsushi and his Instagram is like there is no way to exercise those feelings through sexual like corporeality. And so you're stuck like he basically like this Instagram sensation and Atsushi's like Instagram is himself. It's like quite literally turning every onlooker into like Aschenbach at the end of the movie. So do you think Bruce Weber had this realization? Do <laughs> you think that Bruce Weber had the realization that, like, Asushi is, like, evil in that way? Well, I feel like that's Bruce Weber's entire career, though, so, like... Yeah, because his subjects always do have, like, that, you know, sinister and sort of, like, malignant uh, depth to them, where there is, like, an implication um, of a infinity that you can't conceptualize yourself like in the way they look at each other and in some of the small like private details that are revealed true true i mean so i'm sure that that must play a part for him i mean i just like think about just like like thinking about bruce weber's work it's kind of like there are so many shots where it's kind of just like young men just like boys being boys but like the actual audience that's like consuming that they always look at it with like a homoerotic subcontext that's not really there for the subjects. Mm-hmm. Like I like back in the day, I collected the Abercrombie catalogs, and yes, there was like naked football games, but like those guys were just like playing football naked, not because like they wanted to see each other's dicks or something, but like they were just like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we just play naked? <laughs> like that's how straight guys are. Yeah, and that innocence is so beautiful and pure and something that gay men can never accomplish because we have far too much self-awareness. And, like, consciousness is kind of the key to what starts making the flowers turn dry. Like, that's what started to make Arai's face fall off. And, like, that's uh, that consciousness and and endless intellectualization that... Aschenbach goes through in the film because uh, it constantly cuts to these like scenes of uh, him debating the nature of beauty and art with a colleague from the past. Like it kind of um, proves that like the homosexual like consciousness and self stylization is you know very dangerous. But you know, it's like also kind of um, I thought about too about how like at the end of the movie. When he gets like, I don't know if I'm going too far right now, but like, no, no, go ahead. When he gets his makeover, he ends up turning into like, because like, really, it's like three different stages of the same person. The movie. So you have Aschenbach, and then you have Tajul, which is like his younger self. But then you see like the older version of himself if he hadn't died, which is that person that was like, that was like, badgering him on the boat. Yeah, you become a demonic fop. Yeah. And I don't know how, like, Visconti, like, knows this so well, but it is actually so truly unnerving how, like, real that archetype is. Which one? Of the Aschenbach 
past his prime, covered in the white, like, sunscreen lotion with, like, the Giuliani, like, bleeding dye over oh, his face. Oh, it's so real. It's, like, when you try to start, like, pulling the wool over your decaying form instead of embracing, like, age and embracing, like, the particulars that bestows you with, uh, it makes you into a much worse monstrosity. I don't know if we have any, like, gay male examples of that, but, like, I literally just think of all the backlash. Elton Madonna's John. Got. Well, I think more of, like, the backlash Madonna's gotten recently due to her, like, her new face. Yeah, no, you know what? The thing is, is that, like, okay, Elton John, like, literally looks like fucking Aschenbach. Like, literally, Sokuti, exactly the same face. Um, But no one shits on him because he's a man, and Madonna is responsible for crafting all of culture so she's allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants with her face and i don't care i live for all of it but elton john gets nothing despite the fact he looks like the evil ghostly fops that possess this film i'm trying to think of just like an older gay man who like got shit about his face and him no they don't battle <laughs> they like, they don't, like, they just get, like, sucked into, like, the same, like, homophobia layer that, like, every, we all experience now. It's, like, they don't, basically, to the heterosexual eye, we're already all, like, white-faced Aschenbachs. Like, they all think that we're, like, these, like, perverse, like, creepy phantoms hanging around rooms with, like, made-up faces. Like, the second you're gay, no matter how beautiful you are, you will be doomed to that role forever in the heterosexual's view of things. Oh, God, that sounds so horrible. Actually, I just thought of one. Who is that? I don't know if you'll know who this is, but, like, I think of, like, years ago, like, David Guest. Sounds familiar. Liza Minnelli's husband, the last one. Ah, uh, yeah, he definitely looks a little scary, doesn't he? Yeah, like the surgery and everything. He died kind of recently, didn't he? A couple years ago. I mean, like, he... Yeah, he was on like I think he was on like on a reality show at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on he was on like Big Brother U Celebrity Big Brother UK or something, and like <sighs> Tiffany Pollard was just Tiffany, like David, and then she thought yeah it was David Bowie who died, but they thought it was that David. She thought it was David Guest because like David Bowie's first wife was on the show, and she's like David died, and she thought it was like David Guest who was also on the show, but she was like David Bowie, her first husband. It's like. And Tiffany was just like, David died? He's dead? Like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then, like... And she starts, like, screaming and, like, melting down and, like, thrashing around, like, in the midsummer, like, screaming girls pageant. Yes. Basically. Basically. Yeah. But, but that's, like, one of the only few people. I mean, because even, like, um, like Pete Burns, for interest, for, uh, for example, like, he obviously had, like, wild, like, Death in Venice, like, makeup by the end of his life. But, like... I don't know. It was, like, graceful Ooh. and, like, beautiful to me. I always thought it looked good. I just had a sudden realization as to why. What's the reason? There aren't that many. AIDS? Yeah, I didn't think of that till just now. Yeah, I guess, like, we don't really have, like, a mass of gay seniors, but... I bet you anything in 30 years, like, the streets of, like, fucking WeHo are gonna be covered in Aschenbach specters. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my like, God. Who do you think... 
who is a gay celebrity you think now is like headed for Aschenbach? I'm I'm saying this again. Elton John is already there, but no one wants to say it because everyone like knows like Crocodile Rock and Rocket Man or whatever, and so they all think he's great and he's actually the most despicable evil person in the world, and I hate him. Okay, like, what did he do to you? He what oh. he did is he was a fucking bitch to Madonna because he's a jealous faggot and. I hate how he clings on to um, any popular Japanese girl of the month for, like, two weeks just to go on to the next one. And he basically has said the same thing about Rina Sawayama and Utada Hikaru. He just says, this is the future of music, and then immediately abandons them, does nothing for their career, and moves on. He's evil. He's fucking Aschenbach. His interview magazine column. I actually have the interview magazine that he did with Utada, like, back in, like, 2000. Three, two thousand four, and that actually is how my that actually was like the the basis for my first article for the Japan Times. But I also just thought of somebody else that's like Aschenbach at the end of his life. Who? George Michael. I don't know anything about George Michael, so I can't comment. Oh my god! If you like go and like look up George Michael's towards the end of his life, it literally is just like he was caught like high. And passed out in his pot in his like in his BMW on the side of the road. And like he was like looking to suck dick in a park again. And it's just like crazy makeup and crazy eyebrows. And it just like it like if you look up George Michael like the last couple of years before he died, it's just like it's very Aschenbach. Because he was like the beautiful boy. Like and wham, he was the beautiful boy. And then you like go and like just just like look him up real quick. Look up, look up like what year did he die? I mean, I'm googling him, and honestly, he doesn't look all that bad. <laughs> look at towards like the end of his life, though. Look at the year that he died, and like look like a year or two before, and like look, and it just looks like he just looked bloated. I, don't, I have to do some more research because he just he looks like kind of like a like an older man i don't really see it but I'll, I'll investigate in the future but i'm just trying to think of like older gay celebrities but like because like the ones that i can like think of like i can't really think of that many oh like, like michael jackson michael jackson wasn't gay i mean like i'm trying to think like i just like ian mckellen swapped in my head but he's like very much just like the idea of what like an older gay man should be like i imagine he has a fabulous antiques collection but, you know, the reason that I really wanted to, like, talk about these two things together is because, like, I really feel that the Instagram, like, fast food sexuality of, like, instant access and constant ambience of unactualizable sex is, like, leading to an entire culture of just Aschenbachism and the white makeup with everything bleeding down your face as you like flail to reach forward and then watch your sexual dreams vanish into the distance pointing in the sky before you perish. So basically in the hunt for perfection, people don't actually end up having sex because they're like going and they're looking for that perfection and never finding it. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. And it's like, if you look at this stuff straight in the eye, you'll see that perfection is never there. There's never, you know, 
all beauty is merely lasting for brief moments in time before it's just nothing but rot and decay thereafter. And like learning to swallow down the rot and like learning how to eat the mold and take it and be alive and sexual and physically present is important or you're going to remain like in the beach chair staring at Atsushi Arai forever. Oh, gee. That's but heavy. It's heavy, but like, listen, on my podcast, we are re-philosophizing the world. I am preparing to engender a new universe in my, you know, philosophical regime. And like, this has to be addressed because this ethos of perfection and like youthful beauty, it's all a lie. And the contemporary like moment of how it's being presented to us is this endless feed on Instagram. It's like, you got to acknowledge this and overcome it or you're going to end up like me two years ago where I would just like be so obsessed with every single picture. And it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. Those feelings just like exist there. And so you have to acknowledge it and move on and not like let yourself get sucked into Instagram mode forever. So were you just like not having sex with people because they weren't reaching like the standards of the Instagram people? No, no, I was, I've never really been uh, chased ever or like not, I know lots of gay guys my age who, like, will only fuck, like, the most, like, perfect men. I really am not that hard of a pass, to be honest. Um, I think it was more, like, I detected that, like, my... I was very, like, sensitive and vulnerable to the Instagram influencers I was following and would be, like, really, like, worked up about it. And it's, like... Oh, that thing. I mean, and I'm still there a little bit. Like, you know who isn't like we all have our like online like fixations and stuff but it's like i at least am like channeling those feelings out of me by like meeting people and sucking dick you know what like the thing is though is that like i know too much about what's going on behind the scenes to like actually like be woe is me about these guys i don't even know if i was ever woe is me either i just was very because, you know, when you, you recognize all the stuff behind the scenes, but it's, like, some of those, like, pictures of, like, Arai from all those years ago are so overwhelmingly sensual and beautiful. It's, like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, what mm. do you do with that? It's, like, when you get cursed with that and there's nothing to be done, it's, like, what? where do you go? You know? That's other, what was so intense for me. I guess the other thing, too, is that, like, I'm thinking of just, like, I guess I'm thinking of just, like, kind of, like, the gays, because he's not gay, as far as we know. Mm. But, like, again, it's kind of just, like, the straight male beauty, that's, like, one thing. But as I think of just, like, I think of, like, the insta-gays, and it's kind of just, like, I think I've said this before to you or, like, on your show or something, where it's just, like, there are some guys who are just, like, oh, woe is me. Like, why can't I be, like, that hot and, like, do that job? And it's just, like okay but do you realize like everything that you need to do to like get to that level and are you willing to like go i mean like this guy goes to the gym like two times a day six days a week like he doesn't work for a living but you know what he does for a living he's like sleeping with like some man that you won't even look at to like pay all his bills so are you willing to do that if you're not shut up yeah And it's really funny, too, because, honestly, I think, like, once you, like, 
reach a point of like being like a muscle queen and like you look the way you do, you stop sleeping with people entirely. And because like your standards have become like so high that like you will only fuck God. And like that New York Times article, like everyone's beautiful but no one's having sex. It's like, don't let that happen to gay people. Like we are supposed to be the ones that are like having these like beautiful touching intergenerational like contacts in like bathrooms and stuff it's like don't let your soul become enshrined in instagram like go to the fucking park and suck dick a walk in the park 